Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Wait 5 Minutes, the Floridian podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you've had a great week so far. I'm happy to have you. If you hear any background sound, that is because it is actually, literally pouring rain as I record parts of this, so warning in advance. This week, the upcoming election in Florida and the people vying for your vote. What do they stand for? Why should you vote for them? But first, an update. Last month, I discussed the growing debate around high-speed rails in the state, mainly the ones facing the eastern coast. This week, the Tampa Bay Times released an article discussing Governor Scott's investments in the parent company of All Aboard Florida. All Aboard Florida, you'll remember, is the company in charge of Brightline, the high-speed rail in the east of the state. The Scots have a currently unknown amount of money invested in the fund, but the Times reports that there are three holdings identified at, quote, over $1 million. A spokesperson for Scott said that his money is, quote, managed by an independent third party to shield his investments from his direct control and to avoid any potential conflicts of interest, unquote. This is important because Scott shut down a federally funded high-speed rail plan in 2011. The plan was part of President Obama's infrastructure plan. Critics question why he was not in favor of a federally funded plan seven years ago, but is approving of a privately funded railway now. More on this in the Tampa Bay Times article below in the episode description. All right, on with the show. The midterm election is November 6th, only two and a half months away. However, Florida is facing a serious deadline as our midterms are less than two weeks away. The Florida primaries are on August 28th, and if you aren't a registered Democrat or Republican, I'm sorry to tell you that you will not be eligible to vote in the primaries as we have closed primaries in the state. For those of you who are registered, you are going to be facing a major ballot as the races include voting for governor, attorney general, commissioner of agriculture, and 27 different elections for the U.S. House of Representatives. Today, I'll be breaking down the major candidates specifically for the governorship. I will not be breaking down the House candidates because then this podcast would be an hour and a half long. I will also not be breaking down the Senate race as the main two candidates, Senator Nelson and Governor Scott, are either running unopposed or with little competition for the party nomination. You can, however, find out your district and what exactly you're going to be voting on in the primaries at vote411.org. I entered my address in the party I'm registered with and got a great lineup of what'll be on my ballot. There are five. U.S. House District 7, Governor, Attorney General, Commissioner of Agriculture, and State Representative 30. Oh yeah, I forgot. There are also candidates for the State House of Representatives, as if the ballot wasn't clogged enough. But let's focus on the main thing facing Florida, our governor. To discuss a person's political ideology, I'm going to focus in on the topics that the candidates themselves consider to be their priorities. My source for that information comes from an article by Orlando Sentinel reporter Scott Maxwell who gathered the priorities from the candidates. The topics they are concerned about cover education, healthcare, the environment, criminal justice, jobs, and more. These are some of the topics at the forefront of the national debate and the fact that Florida is facing all of them, all at once, you start to realize just how important watching Florida is. I will not be discussing the smear campaigns from other candidates, and more importantly, I will not be considering the relationship that any of these candidates have with Donald Trump. To be perfectly frank, I find it cheap when candidates in either party compare or contrast themselves with Donald Trump. I dream of a country where candidates run based on their values and the plans they have for the job they're running for, and not based on whether or not they love the current president of any time. I find it to be pandering to a mob, either mob, any mob, and the optimist in me dreams of candidates more like that. The realist in me knows how unlikely that is. 
Anyway, before we get to that, let's break down Florida's demographics along party lines. Florida is historically a swing state. This means that a large population of the state is not registered with either of the main parties. In Florida, according to the Division State of Electorates, as of June of this year, the Republican Party has over 4.6 million registered voters, and the Democrats have over 4.8 million registered voters. However, there are currently 3.5 million voters who have no party affiliation in the state. Their votes will not change the vote in the primaries as they cannot vote in them, but when the midterms come around, their votes are going to be critical. So who will the swing voters swing toward? Will they swing toward more radical politicians with stronger partisan beliefs, or will they search for someone who sits closer towards the center? More on that as the midterm approaches. All of the information about these candidates' views will come from direct quotes from the candidates themselves, or from their official campaign websites, which will all be linked in the description below. Now let's get started with the contentious race for governor. All of the poll numbers used going forward come from Mason-Dixon polling and strategy, who identify as, quote, not a party-affiliated or ideology-oriented polling firm. The polling information I have is from July. They should be releasing updated polls shortly. The candidates running for the Democratic nomination are Andrew Gillum, Gwen Graham, Jeff Green, Chris King, and Philip Levine. Andrew Gillum is currently in fourth for the Democratic Party, showing 10% of voters interested in voting for him. This same poll shows one-fourth of Democratic voters being undecided. Gillum has the official endorsement of former presidential candidate and now Senator Bernie Sanders. This will likely give Gillum a boost in the voters on the far left who favor similar things that Senator Sanders endorsed in 2016. Gillum is 39 years old and is the current mayor of Tallahassee, our state capital. He uses this resume item frequently, referencing his development of the city in the last few years. To Mr. Maxwell, Andrew Gillum stated his priorities as healthcare for all, high corporate taxes to better fund schools, and a $15 minimum wage. These are very common stances for progressive candidates in 2018, as they echo what many other progressive candidates are running on, such as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is running for a seat in the U.S. House of Representatives from New York. Both candidates have received extensive support from Senator Sanders as they are running on similar platforms to his own. Gillum's website says that he wishes to expand Medicaid, the government-funded health care plan for persons or families of low income or low resources. It goes on to say he wants to protect people with pre-existing conditions and ensuring women and men are charged equally, and includes access to no-cost contraceptive care with the Affordable Care Act. As for the $15 minimum wage, the Washington Post reports that several areas in the country have had many different impacts from an increased minimum wage. They show, quote-unquote, mixed findings. Conservative economists believe that the increase of minimum wage would result in a loss of jobs, with companies being unable to afford paying that much. Liberal economists state that this would actually boost the economy as less taxpayer money would be going toward assistance programs and more money being spent on corporations. As for Gillum's campaign, his progressive platform may not translate well into a swing state with a high percentage of independent voters, leaving him continuously in the dust of the other Democratic candidates. His campaign has been hitting several road bumps as he had also been facing rumors of corruption charges from the FBI, though, according to the Tampa Bay Times, many voters consider this a non-issue. Gwen Graham is a former member of the U.S. House, serving a North Florida district for two years. In Congress, she worked with two committees for agriculture and for armed services. As of July, she is in the lead amongst the Democratic candidates, with 27% of Democratic primary voters supporting her. According to Mr. Maxwell's report, Graham's top priorities are expanding health care, improving public schools, and protecting the environment. 
Graham's website lists environment as a priority for her as well. It goes on to discuss fracking as a threat to clean water, her support of clean energy, her opposition of offshore drilling, and the initiatives she took in Congress to support the environment. One controversial vote was her vote in favor of the infamous Keystone XL pipeline. Her reasoning for voting in favor was that it would reduce fossil fuel emissions as we would not need trucks or other means of transportation to use gas to transport the oil. Her campaign also openly states that she received money from the sugar industry, but then donated all of it to the Indian River Keeper, which is a nonprofit that works for the Indian River Lagoon. In addition, Graham says she will use money for Amendment 1, which was passed in 2016, to, quote, protect and preserve sensitive lands and sensitive waters, unquote. Gwen Graham lists education as one of her highest priorities and cites her work as a lawyer for the Leon County School District in which she worked to, quote, increase teacher salaries and raise standards. PolitiFact reports that Florida teachers are paid about $9,000 less than the national average. Graham's website says she looks to end this deficit and looks to bring more money to public schools, including increasing technology in public schools and funding bright futures and other scholarship programs to ensure that students who wish to attend college can afford to do so in-state. According to a report this year, 0.1% of students reach the national budget for per-student funding. I'm going to read that number again. Only 0.1% of students in Florida are in districts that receive the national standard for per-student funding. Due to her traditionally democratic standpoint and somewhat centrist beliefs, Graham may appeal more heavily to a swing state. Jeff Green is a latecomer to the Democratic race for governor, joining the race in June. Up until his addition to the race, the two frontrunners for the Democrats were Graham and Levine. Green split the Levine vote, however, as they have similar platforms. Green now sits in third with 12% interested in voting for him. Mr. Maxwell's report on the candidates was written in February, and as of August, Green has not provided Maxwell with the list of his priorities. Green's website has four issues listed right on his front page. Jobs and wages, education, justice reform, and immigration. Green is a real estate mogul, and he currently has a net worth of over $3 billion. He is based out of Palm Beach. He is in favor of a $15 minimum wage as well, as his plan for better jobs extends to his plan for better education, which expands the options available in your education to train students for better jobs. He has experience in education as he opened a school for quote-unquote gifted students in 2016 called the Green School. The Miami Herald reports on his plan to use the Green School as a model for a plan for public schools. His plans include, quote, shrinking class sizes, replacing letter grades with detailed evaluations, and adopting the latest technologies. Many Democrats are critical of this school, however, because it is a private school which is not in line with the Democratic Party's stance on education. The Green School uses an IQ exam to vet students. It also pays teachers around $50,000 salary, which is more in line with the national standard. He is also running highly on social issues, with LGBT rights, a woman's right to choose, and gun control being priorities in his campaign. Under the LGBTQ plus tab on his website, it states he supports the Florida Competitive Workforce Act, which, according to Equality Florida Action Incorporated, quote, prohibits discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity in employment, housing, and public accommodations, unquote. Under his Women's Rights tab, he discusses his opposition of any legislation that would defund Planned Parenthood and says closing the wage gap is a priority. There is no plan listed on how he intends on closing said gap. Chris King is currently in last place with the Democrats, with only 7% saying they're planning on voting for him. Mr. Maxwell lists King's priorities as better paying jobs, more affordable housing slash living, and more ethical and transparent government. Chris King identifies as a progressive entrepreneur who works in financing and philanthropy out of Winter Park. 
He is on the board for Grace Medical Home, which describes itself as, quote, a place where Central Florida's most underserved residents could enjoy the benefit of quality, comprehensive, ongoing health care, unquote. This is in line with his aforementioned priority of affordable housing. In an interview with the Orlando Sentinel, King says, quote, I would want to be the housing governor, unquote. He says he wants to invest almost a billion dollars into housing. The Orlando Sentinel says that affordable housing is defined as, quote, housing costs that are equal to or less than 30% of a household's total income, unquote. If more than 30% of the household income is spent on housing, that means the family is, quote unquote, cost burdened. King's website indicates his plan to distribute state funds toward affordable housing. King is also running on a campaign to bring ethics to state government, saying that many public officials in Florida use their office for, quote unquote, private gain. He seeks to extend bans on lobbying from former public officials. This is in reference to the supposed shady money Rick Scott has received while working as governor. Philip Levine is in second place with Democratic voters, though Tampa Bay Times reports that a recent poll from SEA Polling and Strategic Design has Levine at 27% support and Graham at 24%. SEA says this comes as a result of numerous attack ads from Jeff Green reducing support for Graham. Philip Levine is the former mayor of Miami Beach where he served for four years. His campaign now reflects his values he had in his run for mayor, with Mr. Maxwell listing Levine priorities as education, the environment, and the economy. The priorities page on his website has the headline of Building a 21st Century Florida. Other locations cite Levine as saying Florida needs a 21st century economy. His website touts his belief in increasing the minimum wage and says that he wants to fight to raise the minimum wage, but he believes individual communities should, quote, decide what works best for them. Levine's site also says he's not just interested in companies moving to Florida, but wants companies to begin and flourish in the state. He says reinvesting resources to education, healthcare, and the environment will bring more businesses to the state. The biggest thing Levine touts in his campaign is his dramatic plan to protect Miami Beach against rising sea levels, which included raising roads and installing industrial pumps in neighborhoods. The Miami Herald reports that there are issues in this plan's execution, however, as critics of the plan call it quote-unquote ill-conceived. Some say that the pumps occasionally fail with power outages and the pumps release unclean water into the nearby Biscayne Bay. The Democratic candidates run far and wide on the issues. As one candidate crystallizes in two weeks, I'll dive deeper into the Democrat concerning the issues and their strength against their Republican rival. Speaking of the Republicans, their primary race is far less complicated as there are only two main candidates and one has a clear lead and an almost certain victory on the horizon. These candidates are Congressman Ron DeSantis and Commissioner of Agriculture Adam Putnam. Ron DeSantis is a U.S. representative and has served in this position since 2013. He served in the U.S. Navy from 2004 until 2010 and received the rank of Lieutenant Commander. Polls show him with 41% of Republican voters looking to vote for him, 12% higher than his opponent. Mr. Maxwell lists DeSantis's priorities as education, the economy, and reshaping Florida's court system. DeSantis's website does not have a tab dedicated to the issues, instead having three boxes on his front page that read as follows. Iraq veteran, number one conservative in Florida, and endorsed by President Trump. If you mouse over number one conservative in Florida, the box reads, quote, He's 100% pro-life, a strong defender of the Second Amendment, and a taxpayer superhero. His biography below lists his acts in Congress and more on his military experience. To be perfectly frank, as a researcher, it is difficult to find much on DeSantis's beliefs. They fall in line with the conservative platform sweeping the nation in the same way Gillum's falls in line with the progressive platform. Currently, Ron DeSantis is running for the future now that his Republican candidacy is almost guaranteed. Just this week, he visited locations swamped by the toxic algae bloom and came out condemning the sugar industry's influence on the problem. 
The Tampa Bay Times reports that DeSantis called Adam Putnam the quote-unquote errand boy for U.S. sugar. DeSantis heavily leaned on the problems caused by the sugar industry, saying they are the main cause while ignoring other causes of the bloom, such as septic tanks. DeSantis is going to win the nomination for many reasons, not just because of his conservative platform, but because Adam Putnam's campaign up to now has hit several bumps in the road. Adam Putnam has served as the Agriculture Commissioner of Florida since 2011. Before that, he too was in the U.S. House of Representatives serving as a representative for the 12th District in Florida. Mr. Maxwell lists Putnam's priorities as guns, workforce training, and helping veterans. Maxwell notes that Putnam is the only candidate who mentions guns as a priority. This is reflected on Putnam's issues page. His first issue listed is conservative principles, where it notes his interest in, quote, less government interference in our lives and to protect our constitutional liberties, unquote. The second listed on his issues page is gun rights. Early in his run in July of last year, he tweeted, quote, the liberal media recently called me a sellout to the NRA. I'm a proud hashtag NRA sellout. This was hit with lots of criticism, which only got worse in June of this year. The Florida Department of Agriculture, the department Putnam runs, is in charge of concealed weapon licenses. In a report from the Tampa Bay Times, it was discovered that in February of 2016, Putnam's department stopped using the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. This system, quote, ensures applicants who want to carry a gun do not have a disqualifying history in other states. The issue wasn't resolved until the following year, meaning over a year went by where people were receiving permits to own guns without background checks. In my opinion, there isn't much more to be said about Putnam. In under two weeks, we will know who of these candidates will be our main two for the governorship. Things will only get nastier from there, but at least yours truly doesn't need to know a lot about seven people. We only need to concentrate on two. Until then, please remember to vote on August 28th. You can find your voting status and polling place at vote411.org. Early voting begins in some areas of the state this week. Next week, snowbirds and the fluctuating economic impact of our elderly tourists in the Sunshine State. That episode will be out on August 24th. In two weeks, the Guardians program and the legislative impact of armed protectors on school campuses. That'll be out on the last day of August, the 31st. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing or consider leaving a review on iTunes. It would mean a lot. Or share with a friend. If you have a question for me or have a topic about Florida you want to learn more about, you can email me at wait5minutespodcast at gmail.com. That's wait5minutes, F-I-V-E, podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Our theme song is Good Thoughts by Lobo Loco. All the websites and articles used in the research can be found in the episode description below. One last note before I go. Please, please remember how important these midterms are. Don't vote for anyone that someone tells you to vote for. Find a candidate that fits what you believe in and vote for them. Don't believe campaign ads and, and don't listen to people who pander to the masses. Find someone you trust and vote for them. Thank you for listening to me, Hammer. It really means a lot. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. And drink more water. Please drink more water.
To discuss a person's to discuss a person's political ideology, I'm going to focus in on the topic. Holy freaking crud! <laughs>